the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a fabulous week and a fabulous Saturday. Thank you again for joining us. This is your host, Al Fadi, and you're listening to Let Us Reason. And with me here in studio, our dear brother, Sam Shamon. And if you've been listening to the last few weeks, uh, at least to this podcast, you would have noticed that we've been going through this fabulous series concerning uh, Allah praying or the prayer of God. And the whole thing started basically by bringing to your attention as believers in Christ some of the arguments that our Muslim friends were raised. For instance, one of the things that they consider to be a challenge for them to process is that Jesus, who is God incarnate, is praying to God. And they'll tell you, how is God praying to himself? And you keep hearing this. And no matter how hard you try to explain to them what's going on, they always insist that, how can God be praying to God? So what do you think we do best? We turn the table around. That's the specialty that we are in into, basically. Uh, my brother Sam here taught me the same tactic, basically. Let's turn the table around. And here's what we've been doing for the last at least three weeks alone. We're talking about this debacle that Allah, the God of the Quran, is indeed praying to himself. And we have exhibited this in a variety of ways. And Sam, of course, as always, I've done a, a fabulous job in bringing in Islamic sources. And I'm here as a former Muslim who's an Arab as well from Saudi Arabia. My job is to affirm and confirm his, his resources. And I can tell you that there isn't a single thing that Sam talked about that is not available for Muslims and others as well in both Arabic, English, and God knows how many other languages as well. So we always encourage people to go get educated and be bold about defending the faith and learn the ways to how you can turn a table around for the sake of our Muslim people. We're not here to attack them. We're here to attack their teaching that is blinding them. With that says, welcome back, Sam, and I'll turn it over to you, brother. My pleasure to be here to serve you for the sake of Jesus. And again, we beseech the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Father of all mercies, of infinite love, to fill us with his Holy Spirit, to wash us in the blood of Jesus Christ, to anoint us to speak truth without error for the glory of Jesus. Until every Muslim knee bows and every Muslim tongue confesses, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Christians are strengthened, and may the Father bless us and our families and preserve us and our families by the power of the Spirit, by the blood of Jesus, in Jesus' name. We love you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to continue where we left off in the previous segment. We were talking about how Muhammad claimed <clears throat> that the prayers of Muslims invoking Allah to bless him will be shown to him, displaced him, because he claimed that though he's been in the grave for 1,400 years, Allah somehow preserves, when I say, we know the true God is powerful enough to preserve bodies from decaying. 
and he claimed that his God, because he thought his God is the same true God revealed in Jesus, would preserve the bodies of all the prophets from decaying, so their bodies remain fresh in the grave, right? And Muhammad said that his body would remain fresh in the grave, <clears throat> and that when Muslims asked Allah to bless Muhammad and they greet Muhammad, Muhammad would be shown, Muhammad would be shown their prayers, their prayers would be displayed to him as his body lay buried in Saudi Arabia, in Medina, in his grave, thereby indicating that Allah has enabled Muhammad to become omniscient, omnipresent, which means Muhammad has become a secondary lesser God to Allah. So much for the claim that Muhammad is just a man, no more, no less. But we're going to continue to unpack this, showing that Muhammad has been deified, or like you said in the previous show, Allah has been demoted to the status of Muhammad. If you don't want to say Muhammad has been elevated to the status of divinity, then Allah has been demoted to the status of Muhammad, and Allah is nothing more than Muhammad's alter ego. Now, that said, by the grace of Jesus, I'm going to try to be as accurate as possible representing the Muslim sources. Muslims will often tell us, and you know this, brother, that there is no intercessor, no mediator, no middleman in Islam. However, both the Quran and narration refute this, and I'm going to use this to show another astonishing thing that Muslims do on the basis of the Quran and narration. They deliberately visit the grave of Muhammad and speak to a dead man in his grave on the basis of Quranic verses and specific narrations attributed to Muhammad. Brother, if you have the Quran in front of you, I'm going to have you turn to chapter 9, verse 103. Now, before you read it, just go to chapter 9, verse 103. I'll help you for the sake of time, and I'll read other verses with you. So when you go to 9, go to Tertoba, 9, verse 103. Let me first read this passage. This comes from chapter 24, 62 to 63. Chapter 24, 62 to 63, it says, They only are the true believers who believe in Allah and His Messenger. And when they are with Him, meaning Muhammad, on some common errand, Go not away until they have asked leave of him, asked leave of Muhammad. Lo, those who ask leave of thee, now speaking to Muhammad, those are they who believe in Allah and his messenger. So if they ask thy leave, your leave, Muhammad, for some affair of theirs, give leave to whom thou wilt of them. You can give them leave, permit them to leave, or you can have them stay. And ask, here's the key, you, Muhammad, ask for them forgiveness of Allah. Lo, Allah is forgiving, merciful. Make not the calling of the messenger among you as you're calling one, on a, one of another. When Muhammad calls you, that's greater and higher and better than when you call each other. That's what the Quran's saying. So, Muhammad, you need to ask for their forgiveness. They'll be forgiven. And when you call them, your calling is greater and better than the calling of anyone else. I thought Muhammad is just a man. But be that as it may, what does chapter 9, verse 103 say, brother? <clears throat> Okay, so I'm going to read basically, um, you know, a number, you know, I don't know, what translation would you like me to read, uh, for instance? Anyone, just read the one that first comes to your eyes. Okay, so I'm going gonna, gonna to read, uh, for instance, uh, Yusuf Ali, and it says, Of their goods take alms that so thou mightst purify and sanctify them and pray on their behalf, verily. Thy prayers are a source of security for them. Let's uh, let's take another one. Uh, like for instance, Khalifa, take from their money a charity to purify them and sanctify them and in, and encourage them. For your encouragement reassures them. Which, by yeah. the way, it's a false translation here. I can assure exactly. you of that. Let's look at a Palmer translation. 
take from their wealth alms to cleanse and purify them thereby and pray for them. Verily, thy prayer is a repose for them. Yeah, now notice what the pattern here. And I want your non-Muslim audience to get this. The Muslims already know this. Not only does Muhammad say charity from them, he also has to pray for them because it is his prayer that guarantees their safety and security. Now let me unpack that. Note clearly, by Muhammad taking money from the Muslims, it says when you do that, you didn't say Allah. Guys, pay attention language, and I want you to pay attention language, brother. When you, Muhammad, take charity from them, you will end up purifying and sanctifying them. Well, number one, purifying people from their sins and making them holy is a divine work. It's a divine function. Even the Quran says in chapter 3, verse 135, even the Quran says, only Allah forgives sin. And when the Quran talks about being purified, it means being forgiven of your sins. But yeah, and, brother, and also chapter right 9, there. the same chapter, verse 104, says Allah forgives sin also. <laughs> Okay, but did you catch it? Because 3135 says only Allah. It even says the word only. But you just read in front of you, it is Muhammad. Muhammad who will purify and sanctify and make them holy when he takes charity from them. So here the Quran again ascribes divine characteristics to someone who's supposed to be nothing more than a human being. The second thing is Muhammad has to pray for them because this prayer will guarantee their safety and security, which goes with the passage I read where it says, Muhammad, Allah's Messenger, has to ask forgiveness of the Muslims from his Lord. Now, the final one, and for the sake of mind, just read it. I'm going to read chapter 4, verse 64, and then I'll read 65 later. Chapter okay, 4, Sam, verse 64. If, yes, you don't mind, if you don't mind, brother, let me just add one more thing related to 9103, which I know you know about it, and obviously you're taking a different angle. But I want to tell people this. This is speaking to the Muslims. And if you're a Muslim today, this is telling you as if Muhammad is alive right this minute and you're giving your alms and charity to him, and he is the reason for your forgiveness. Yeah, though that was the next point, brother. You're excited to move forward. That's actually where I'm at segwaying into. That's exactly, <laughs> like I said, great minds think alike. God has blessed you in a great mind, and he's blessed me for the glory of Jesus. That's exactly what I was leading to, the point of these passages. How can they have any meaning and value for Muslims today if Muhammad is dead? But we're going to get there. But I want to first establish the dilemma of the Muslims. Are you ready? Four, six, I am. Four, I'm going to read I am. All right. Now watch here. Watch here what's going to happen. We sent no messenger say that he should be obeyed by Allah's lead. And if, when they have, and I'm reading Tiktok, by the way, 464, and if, when they had wronged themselves, they had but come unto thee and asked forgiveness of Allah, and asked forgiveness of the messenger, meaning asking you to ask for their forgiveness, they would have found, they would have found, <clears throat> Allah forgiving merciful, but nay, by their Lord, they will not believe in truth until they make thee a judge. Now, here's the problem, and you anticipated this. Here's the problem. The problem is this. How can a Muslim today benefit from Muhammad's intercession, benefit from Muhammad's prayers, be sanctified and purified by Muhammad when he's dead? And if the Quran, here's the dilemma. I want the Muslims to hear this especially. If the Quran is Allah's perfect revelation for all generations until the end, this, this means that either these passages 
are still applicable till this day, or much of the Quran is obsolete, null and void, because much of these commands depend on the presence of Muhammad for them to even be applicable. But since Muhammad is dead, these passages have been canceled out. Now you see the dilemma. Either these passages are still applicable, which means that Muslims can still benefit from Muhammad's presence, though he's been dead for 1,400 years, or with the death of Muhammad, he makes much of the Quran obsolete. So it is a lie that the Quran is a relation for all mankind till the end of the age, because much of the Quran depends on Muhammad's existence, and he's no longer with us. Do you see the dilemma here, brother? <clears throat> Absolutely. It's it's an excellent dilemma. And if, if for the sake of uh, the audience, at some point, repeat just the references one quick time so that people can yes. track it again. Chapter 24, 62 to 63. 24 the Quran, 62, 63. What you read, chapter 9, verse 103. And I read chapter 4, verse 64, and part of 65. I'll finish 65 later. Chapter 4, verse 64 and 65. Now, remember I said the dilemma here. Either these passages presuppose that Muhammad's presence is still available, that Muslims still have access to Muhammad's presence, because these passages depend on Muhammad's existence, his presence, in order for them to be applicable. In other words, notice what 464 said. They have to go to Muhammad, ask Muhammad to pray for them, and then Allah will forgive them. They have to give alms to Muhammad. When Muhammad accepts it, and his acceptance of their alms, he will end up purifying them, making them holy, and he has to pray, and then Allah will be merciful to forgive them. So if these passages are for all people till the end of the age, that means Muhammad's presence must still be available for Muslims. And lo and behold, that's exactly what the Muslim scholars said. This is what I was leading to. This comes from Maruful Quran, Maruful Quran by Mufti Shafi Usmani. You can read it online for free as a PDF file, volume 2, page 486. He's commenting on 464, and he says this, although this verse was revealed in the background of a particular incident relating to hypocrites, yet its words yield a general ruling which stipulates that anyone who presents himself, catch this brother, anyone who presents himself before the Holy Prophet, and he, the Prophet, prays for his forgiveness, he will be definitely forgiven. And the presence before the Prophet, as it would have been during his blessed life in this mortal world, holds the same effect even today as the visit to the sacred precincts of the mosque of the Prophet and the act of presenting oneself before the blessed residence of the sanctified mausoleum falls within the jurisdiction of this rule. Now, I don't know if your audience got what this scholar said. You can go to Muhammad's grave in Medina, that's the sanctified mausoleum, and present yourself to Muhammad there, the resident in that grave, and it has the same effect as when the Muslims would go before Muhammad when he was alive on earth. In other words, this is actually encouraging Muslims to visit the grave of a dead man who's been dead for 1,400 years in order to ask a dead man to pray that Allah will forgive them. So let me read the second part. Sayyidina Ali, <clears throat> this is Ali ibn Abu Talib, Muhammad's first cousin, who was married to Fatima, Muhammad's daughter. Three days, pay attention to this, brother, three days after we all had finished with the burial of the Messenger of Allah, 
A villager came and fell down close to the blessed grave. This is three days after Mama died. Weeping bitterly, he referred to this particular verse of the Quran. He referred to chapter 4, verse 64, which I just read. And addressing himself to the blessed grave, he's speaking to the grave. He said, Allah Almighty has promised in this verse that a sinner, if he presented himself before the Rasul of Allah, the Messenger of Allah, and the Rasul, Messenger, elects to pray for his forgiveness, then he will forgive him. Therefore, here I am, presenting myself before you. Don't forget, brother, he's talking to a dead man. Muhammad had been dead, right? And this is three days after he had been buried, after they had finished burying him. He's talking to the dead man. He says, here I am, presenting myself before you, so that I may be blessed with your prayer for my forgiveness. People personally present their present there, those who are there, they witnesses, at that time say that in response to the pleading of the villager, a voice coming out from the sanctified mausoleum rang around with the words, you have been forgiven. Did you catch that, brother? Absolutely. Did you hear that? They heard Muhammad's voice from the grave saying, you've been forgiven. A man who had been dead and in his grave for three days, as one of his followers come to his grave, speak to him in the grave, because chapter 4, verse 64 says, we need you to be forgiven. And since the Quran is supposed to be a message till the end of the age, that means we still have to have access to you in order for you to pray for us. So here I am, Muhammad, you're dead in the grave, but please pray for me. And they hear a voice saying, you've been forgiven. Your prayer has been received. Can you believe that? Yeah, that, that's that's what I call uh, a, a Shamaonian classic uh, response, wishful thinking. <laughs> but now, if we have time for one more narration, this one comes from Ibn Kathir. Ibn Kathir on the same passage. This is the same passage, chapter 4, verse 64. And interestingly, brother, in the abridged English translation of Ibn Kathir done by Salafis, they did not include this narration. It's found in the Arabic. Because, again... Salafis are very strict, puritanical form of Islam. They discourage such practices, but they do so by going against their own authoritative sources. Now here, let me read what he says. Watch here. Sheikh Mansur al-Sabah, this is Ibn Kathir, recollected in his book, The Perfection, al-Shamil, the well-known famous transmission from Utbi. I was sitting by the grave of the Prophet, and a Bedouin came and said, Peace be upon you, O Prophet of Allah. As-salamu alayka I heard Allah say now, he's now speaking to Muhammad and reminding Muhammad of chapter 4, verse 64. I heard Allah say, and if they had come to thee when they had wronged their souls and asked forgiveness of Allah, and if the messenger had also asked forgiveness for them, they would have surely found Allah off returning with compassion and, merc and merciful. And I come to you, speaking to Muhammad, asking forgiveness for my sin, taking you as intercessor, <coughs> a shifa my shafi, to my Lord. Then he started reciting, Oh, you best of those whose bones are buried in Al-Qa'a. From the sweet scents of those bones, the whole area of Al-Qa'a and Akuma became perfumed. Myself I sacrifice to the grave that you live in. It is purity, and it is incredible generosity. Now watch this. Then the Bedouins departed, and sleep overcame me. And I saw the Prophet in my sleep, and he said, Ya Utbi. Follow the Bedouin and give him the glad tidings that Allah has forgiven him. This comes from Ibn Kathir's Tafsir of this verse. Did you, did you believe that? 
Do you see what happened here? It's very interesting. It's very interesting, by the way, and I agree with you that Ibn Kathir, of course, is the student of Ibn Taymiyyah, and Ibn Taymiyyah is is the father of Salafis, by the way, even though he's a 13th century guy. uh, Al-Qaeda is founded on the teaching of these guys, basically. But just so people got it, you have at least two narrations of two different people going to the grave of Muhammad after Muhammad had died was buried <clears throat> on the basis of chapter 4, verse 64 of the Quran, where it says, you need Muhammad to pray for you for Allah to forgive you. And believing that the Quran is for all people to the end of the age, assuming that that means we still have to have access to Muhammad's presence. Well, where is Muhammad? Well, his dead body's in the grave. That means I can go to his grave and speak to him in the grave, and he must be able to hear me. Both of them go to the grave. Both of them recite this verse, reminding Muhammad in the grave, this is what Allah said. We need to come to you so you can pray for us. Both of them speaking to a dead man in the grave. Both of them telling him, please pray for us. And both of them supposedly receiving the answer from Muhammad, once in a dream and then once in an audible voice from the grave saying, you have been heard. Allah has forgiven you. In other words, Muhammad still in the grave dead is able to intercede for people. Once and again. they tell us, brother, they tell us they don't need a mediator. They don't need an intercessor. There's no middleman of Islam, and they don't worship Muhammad. That's what they you know, are. Absolutely. And, and brother, you know, uh, it is becoming more and more evident that either Muhammad himself, if indeed he's the one who said these things, or his followers are so jealous of Jesus and his teaching that almost in every instance like this, they will take whatever the Holy Spirit says about Jesus or Jesus said about himself and apply it usually to Muhammad. Yes. In other words, Muhammad is Satan's counterfeit to supplant the Lord Jesus Christ in the hearts of Muslims, which is why Muslims think they don't need Jesus. They have Muhammad. So you see the satanic origin influence of this, of this religion and any and every religion that seeks to rob Jesus of his glory and remove him from his role of savior and intercessor. So Muhammad is the satanic decoy, <clears throat> counterfeit, erected by Satan in the hearts of Muslims to look to him for their salvation. So what need is there of Jesus? But by the power of the blood of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Muslims will awaken to this lie and see the truth and the beauty of Jesus Christ and be saved. Now, I don't know how much time we got. Are we winding now? I think we are reaching the end of our uh, time, brother. Uh, But uh, what we can do here is... uh, uh, take the few, uh, you know, maybe in a few seconds that are left to remind people how they can just reach out to you yes. and connect with you and bless your ministry, brother. Yes, I want everyone to get access to these materials. All of this information is found in my article. My articles, which you can find on answeringislam.net. You go to individual authors, you'll find Sam Shimon, their tooling. One to the newer format of the website where all my recent articles have been posted and the older format, the link of which you'll find there. AnsweringIslam.net. I also write regularly for my blog. It's called AnsweringIslamBlog.wordpress.com. Please go there because I'm updating it almost on a daily basis. At least two, three articles every week by the grace of God. And then I have a YouTube page called Shemunian. I'm going to have to change the name to Answering Islam, but you'll find it. Shemunian. S-H-A-M-O-U-N-I-A-N. Pray that God will enable me to update it with new, new videos, shorter videos, with new content and subscribe to it, hit the like button, and support us on Patreon or PayPal. 
all of which you'll find on those resources. And pray for me and my children that Jesus fights for us. Pray for our brother here, his ministry, his family, that God will empower us by spirit to glorify Jesus until every Muslim knee bows and every Muslim tongue confesses Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen, amen, and I second all of that, and also we encourage you to go to our website, sierrainternational.com, that's C as in Charlie, to listen to all of these shows, uh, Let Us Reason. You can go to also uh, Omni Studio, iTunes, uh, SoundClouds, you name it, and also I encourage you to go to our YouTube channel, Sierra International, I'll also subscribe there, and if you could also become a Patreon patron, whether for my sh uh, channel or my brother's channel, and donate as little, believe it or not, as $1 or as much as the Lord put in your heart. These kind of givings help us to pay for these <laughs> things, stay on the air, and yep. develop a lot of videos. And uh, be on the look for a brand new video series. We called it uh, Tawheed Dilemma that we did, me and Sam. And we'll continue to do more of that. We're just giving you a teaser. So we thank you for your partnership and your uh, support and uh, uh, we can't tell you how much we uh, depend on that partnership so thank you yes, again exactly we need it. May the lord bless you richly Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.